Jesus and the noblemen, according to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, the second miracle. This wasn't actually the second miracle that Jesus had ever done. It was, however, the second miraculous sign he performed, confirming him as the Messiah. Jesus returned to Cana, where he performed the first miraculous sign, turning the water into wine at the wedding feast, revealing his glory and where his disciples put their faith in him. Perhaps he returned to Cana, seeking to find fruits of his first visit there. John records this miracle here as the second miraculous sign to teach us to keep in remembrance what we have seen or received of the works of Jesus Christ in our lives. Jesus pointed out that a prophet is not accepted or has no honor in his own hometown. And that's probably because of the many miracles that Jesus had done in Judea according to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and would not be recognized as the Messiah. Judea is where Jesus was from. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, just outside of Jerusalem. But when he came to Galilee, they welcomed him there. This nobleman, the nobleman in this story, was some kind of royal official, perhaps because of the size of his estate or wealth and authority. This nobleman heard that Jesus had returned to Galilee from Judea. Upon finding him, he implored Jesus to come to his home because his son was sick and dying, which was a good day's journey away or about 15 miles. It's worth noticing the respect from this nobleman toward Jesus because he came to him himself and didn't send a servant, being a man of authority. Even the greatest men, when they come seeking favor from God, must come humbly, even as beggars. Well, this man of authority was begging Jesus to come to his house. However, Christ addresses him or responds to him with this reproof. Jesus said to him, See how it is, except you people. See signs and wonders you will not believe. This was a reproof. Like doubting Thomas in chapter 20, he would not believe Jesus had risen unless he saw the nail prints in the Savior's hands and was able to put his hand in his side. The Samaritans believed. They saw no signs or wonders, none that were recorded anyway. Yet they believed Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Here, we see the nobleman imploring Jesus, endowing him with grief about his son, and showed great respect to Christ in coming so far to find him. Yet Jesus gives him this reproof. 
First, he exposes the impairment or the weakness of his faith, which is due, of course, to our sin. And then, to prepare him for mercy, and then grants his request. This nobleman showed patience in this reproof, and he spoke to Christ reverently. The nobleman continued in his importunity, Sir, please come down, or my child will die. He doesn't realize that even if the child did die, that Jesus could raise him from the dead. Jesus replied to him, You may go, your son will live. First of all, Jesus gives here, in this story, an instance of his power, which is why it's a miraculous sign. This power that he could not only heal with so much ease, without the trouble of a visit. No visit, no prescription, nothing ordered, nothing done, yet cured by his word. Your son lives just like that. It's like Jesus right now being in heaven and his church is on earth. He sends his gifts. He sends his favor. He sends his power to us from heaven above. This nobleman thought Jesus had to go to the child's bedside to heal him. And secondly, observe the pity of our Lord. Jesus observed the nobleman being in pain about his son and his natural affection to him. My child, my child, my dear child will die. And therefore Christ dropped the reproof and gave him assurance of his child's recovery. Well, the nobleman believed. He believed and went his way. Although Jesus didn't gratify him so far as to go down with him a day's journey, yet he satisfied him by his word. And he received it. This nobleman does not receive any signs or wonders, as it were. And yet, be that as it may, the wonder is done. Jesus told him, Your son will be fine. Go on your way. Your son lives. And the man believed him. This man left, his son dying at home to find Jesus. And when he finds him, Jesus assures him with a promise. Your son will live. Go. And he believes and went home. This man believed his son had recovered on the promise Jesus gave to him. Jesus gave him his word. He didn't press Jesus. No, you must come down, Lord. He simply believed in Christ's word and went his way, satisfied. The Bible doesn't say that his countenance was sad. The Bible doesn't say that he ran home in a big hurry. But he did return, unhurried, as one that 
was at perfect peace in his own mind. And on his way, his servants met him with the news that his child lives, probably not far from his own house. The nobleman inquired of his servants the hour when the fever left, and they told him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left, and he was perfectly well, not gradually, but all of a sudden. So the father knew that it was at the same hour when Jesus said to him, Your son lives. This cure, this miraculous sign brought salvation to his whole family. As a result of this man's faith and obedience to Christ, the effect was an all-encompassing happiness to the whole household. This nobleman must have had some kind of knowledge of Jesus before he met him. Perhaps, as the Bible says, faith of a mustard seed by hearing of Jesus' story. Just as blind Bartimaeus heard of Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Well, the nobleman heard of Jesus because faith comes by hearing, doesn't it? With reference to this particular narrative, the nobleman believed in Christ as the Messiah promised and became one of his disciples. His whole household believed because of this miraculous sign, which preserved and compounded their faith in Jesus which is what the miracles were intended for. And like Abraham and Joshua, this was a nobleman, probably had a great estate. When he comes to Christ, he brings all his family and household along with him. What a blessing in disguise came to this house because of the child's sickness. Well, this was the second miraculous sign, referring to where the turning of the water into wine was the first. In Judea, Jesus did many miracles. They had the first offer of God's mercy, but he brought his mercy to Galilee, being driven out of Judea by their unbelief. Many people, if they please, shut the light out of their own household but they cannot shut the light out of the world. And as long as the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is preached, there is hope in this world. John recorded this narrative as the second miraculous sign to remind us of the first, brought to the same place some months prior. New mercies should revive our former mercies remembrance as former mercies should encourage our hope and faith for further mercy. Remember, God keeps account of his favor, whether we respond or not, and to let us know that this particular cure was before many cures which followed. 
mentioned in the Gospels, brought to Galilee. The nobleman's son was one of prominence, obviously an error to the estate. So the cure was much more talked about. As a result, people with every kind of sickness and disease followed and came to Christ Jesus. Jesus healed multitudes of people suffering from severe pain to those having seizures, those paralyzed, the blind, the lame, the deaf, and the demon-possessed. In Mark 1, Matthew 4, and Luke, when this nobleman applied himself to the cause of Jesus Christ, multitudes followed. What a great wealth of good great men may do if they only be good men.